0: Welcome back to my story, his story, our journey. This is Miss Mary here. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in this morning and uh, going on this journey with me through the book of Jonah. I pray that if you're just now starting, please backtrack and listen to as many episodes as you possibly can. Also, at least begin back in uh, chapter one of Jonah. Like I said before, I was very curious as to why the Lord decided to lead me back into the book of Jonah, but I feel like I do see something emerging here that He's wanting to uh, put into my mind and into my heart and to share with you as well. So thank you for taking this journey with me. I want to thank all of the listeners out there that are far and abroad, Uh, and again, we would like to welcome in the new listeners that are listening in Saudi Arabia. I just thank you so much for being so faithful to this podcast, and I'm looking forward to seeing you and us going on this journey with the first part, which is my part of the story. We'll see you there. My story, his story, our journey. Well, we are now getting ready today to head into the third chapter of Jonah. Have you listened carefully to the first two chapters? Have you caught on to anything that God may be trying to teach you, either about someone in your life, and not to be judgmental, because maybe it's an encouragement that everybody could be reached, maybe you see yourself in Jonah I do believe that this particular book about Jonah the prophet is actually also for us to examine our hearts like I said about judging other people even if we see it as horrible or an abomination or as believers that walk this earth that have the living God inside of our hearts and are supposed to shine through our lives, you would have to ask yourself when it comes to Jesus, how would he have approached people that were in a deep sin? How did he approach anybody for that matter? Like, at what point do we have the right not being the creator of the universe, not being the creator of mankind, not being the giver of life and breath, not being the sustainer of life. And I could go on, not being, not being, not being. Who are we to judge the other person as an individual that is caught in sin, considering we were all sinners and... We were hopeless without Christ before the calling on our very hearts by the Holy Spirit and the opening up of our eyes to the Holy Scriptures and to the truth of the Gospel. We were just as dead. We were walking dead men. We deserved nothing but the wrath of God. So as you see other people out there, regardless of what their sin may be, I mean, right down to being a murderer. Do you see, because uh, I did bring up homosexuality, because it does seem to be one of those sins that everybody, it, it seems like they attack it or approach it so much more different differently than anything else. Sometimes even more than murder. I guess because we see the Apostle Paul, knowing that he was Saul and that he did, basically collect Christians to have them killed and was considered a murderer Moses he he actually murdered someone so maybe we see that and we think well you know we can relate to these two um men in the bible so and King David premeditatedly murdered Bathsheba's husband Yet with the homosexuality, it seems to be one that we cannot get past or we have a difficult time getting past enough to have mercy upon those people. So this takes me back to Jonah. Well, Who or what person in your life or what people group do you see yourself having such a hard time wanting to extend that olive branch or that mercy and grace that God extends to us, who is it that you struggle with, that you feel in your heart like, nope, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I don't think they deserve it, I think that this story was also put there as a mirror for us to examine ourselves more than anything. Is it just sitting there? You know, is the story to some people would be like, don't run from God. Yeah. God always wins. It's true. But it gets deeper. This particular story in the Bible goes much deeper than just don't run from God. So if you have to listen to this a few times, if you have to get out your own commentary and just do a little bit more digging, Do you have a desire in your heart to really, really want to know, what are you saying to me, God? What do you want me to know, Father, from this particular book, from this story that you felt you needed in your word to talk to us and to teach us? Do you find yourself having that desire to go deeper into a relationship with Christ and And stay there long enough to understand why he wanted you to know this book. I pray that you do. And if not, I pray for you that you will start having that urgency in your heart. Because it is a personal relationship. You know, we just got finished on Wednesday night studying um, a study called The Secrets of the Vine. And one of the most important things in The Secrets of the Vine study on Right Now Media was... To abide with him, yes. The ministry is important, yes. But are we abiding with him? And that's kind of goes back to this do you have a desire to abide with him, stay with him long enough in whatever book he lays on your heart, or whether whatever passage he may be telling you? Are you listening to that still small voice? Are you being drawn? To listen and recognize his spirit in a sense that he's trying to say, Come here, come here. I want you to see this. You will always learn something from the Word of God if you just get in it, open it up, and start reading and studying. Again, I'm going to remind you, he doesn't say just read to show yourself approved. He says, Study. Is he worth it? Did he do enough for you on the cross? for your salvation and the payment of sin, for you to desire to love him enough to stay long enough in his word until he actually feeds you, until you actually know something about him and about the Father, because this is an important book. Every book is an important book. It's there for you. Yes, it's stories of them, but it's stories of us if we just look at it long enough in the mirror to see ourselves in it. So we're going into the third chapter of Jonah. And we're going to, one, look at Jonah, what he's doing, how he's responding to God. Examine our own hearts and lives and see if we find ourselves there. Remember, Jonah was so rebellious that he ran from God's instruction. He refused to go to Nineveh and I'm going to give you some background information a little bit more about Jonah when we get to our part of the journey so please don't ever miss our part of the journey. I will always do a wrap it up commentary and or I will always give you some more information that is so vital to know. And I'm trying to show you how important these commentaries and the background information can be in the life of a believer as you study. But remember when we very first started the podcast, I had said, it's kind of like Dear Abby, when you ask questions and she gives you answers. Well, we ask questions, we need answers, God will answer it. It's in his word. It's always there to be found. And remember, I also said, if you ever listened to Paul Harvey, and he would always say, now, you're going to hear the rest of the story. Well, that's what I do in our part of the journey. So please do not skip that part. Listen completely until the end because there is so much more to learn from it. And uh, you know, we are about to journey into chapter 3 and see what's up with Jonah. We know in 1 he ran. Did he run because he was afraid of Nineveh, of going there because they were so evil? It was the, the king was the most horrible, hated king, and he was such a threat to the Israelites. And, you know, he was known as the murderous king. They, You know, murder reigned in Nineveh. And so we see why Jonah would have such a hatred toward it, being an Israelite. So, you know, and Jonah was a prophet. And it's interesting because as we go along, you see that it's not so much about Jonah's words, like a prophet, as it is about Jonah's reaction to God and God's words. So it's definitely a little different as we see him as a prophet, you know, and we will take a look about back a little ways about one part where he did prophesy, but I I want you to look at it, listen to it very carefully and see uh, what God is leading you to learn from it. And also uh, just, exit, you know, break it down. And I hope I do it justice today trying to break some of this down, but we will see you in is part of the story in chapter 3 and I pray that your heart gets something from it and that you can share this. Share this with someone in your life. I promise you if you hear the word of God if he applies it into your heart into your mind he will put someone in your path that needs to hear it or he'll put you back on track on the path that he needs you on. But you'll never regret learning from God's word. So that's kind of it for now on my part of the story, and we will see you in his part of the story in the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1. I'll see you there. Welcome to his part of the story. So, like I said, we are getting ready to go into Chapter 3 of Jonah, and just a quick recap. Chapter 1, he ran. He was to go to Nineveh, and he ran completely as far west as he could, and was headed to Tarshish, and um, we found him amongst pagan sailors that had their own god. You have Jonah, the prophet that worships the God, the one and only true God, running from his God, the creator of the land and the sea, but yet he chose the sea to escape one. And God sent a great storm, and it tossed the boat to and fro, and the pagan sailors got very scared, and they cast lots to see. why this would be coming upon them, only to realize that it had to do with Jonah, and then upon asking Jonah if it had to do with him, he did admit, kind of like, yes, I am a Hebrew, and this is the God I serve, and he was almost like in a bragging state that my God would be better than your God, and yes, this is the God I serve, but way he also was very flippant that uh, he had brought this upon these pagan sailors and it's interesting because you see the contrast of Jonah not listening to his God and the pagan sailors actually being afraid of God and eventually started to worship them because he just said just kill me just throw me over and I do believe that Jonah said that because he wasn't as much feeling sorry for the sailors as he was still being very rebellious. I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. And I think we'll see this pattern arise through the later chapters. Like I said, I I have already studied Jonah. So you will see as we go along. And, you know, of course, instantly the storm settled and now these pagan people and sailors, they actually are now worshiping the God that Jonah worshiped so it's interesting to see the complete opposite the one that should be worshiping was not and the ones that were not now he's extended mercy and grace to and now they are worshiping the God of the universe and so then we see that he was thrown over and God sent a great fish to swallow him up now in chapter 2 we went back and forth as to well did Jonah pray and realize as he was dying that he cried out to the God and God sent the fish to swallow him up to save him and show mercy upon him once again, where he had no mercy for others in his heart? Or maybe God just prepared that fish to start with because he wasn't done with Jonah. He expected Jonah to obey he gave Jonah specific instructions and he ran from them but we still see that Jonah did in his prayer acknowledge God and thank him for saving his life because at that point now he's not so sure it happens often in the world it's like you have to be at I think back at 9 11 years and years ago, like the churches was packed with people praying because of what we experienced here on our own land in the United States but yet as it went away and it started to fade away, so did all the people that was in God's house we have a tendency to cry out to God that we didn't necessarily believe in before, but if anybody can stop this, it would have to be God that could do it And so, we find Jonah here not really saying he's sorry or repenting, but just saying thank you. And now we're going into chapter three. So, let's see what is up with Jonah now. So, we start here in verse one. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, (laughs) I'm going to stop right there again, did God prepare that fish just because, no Jonah you will do what I tell you to do think about a parent would God do that if he's our father would he he not settle for what you choose to do would he say now that I've got your attention again, I'm going to tell you for the second time to go saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Hmm, okay, well, Jonah's going to Nineveh. Maybe he has repented. Maybe he's ready to listen to God. Maybe after being vomited out onto dry land, Jonah got the point, that God was not pleased with his actions, and so we say, we see that he's going, God once again, never changing, always the same, go and call out against them, that I, uh, against it, the message that I tell you, okay, so he's going, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Okay, let's stop right there. Hmm. Now, God did say, and call out against it the message that I tell you. But I thought back in chapter 1, if I'm not mistaken, God said to speak out against their evilness and their wickedness, for they are an evil, wicked city. And then I see another pattern forming here. It says, now Nineveh was exceedingly a great city, big city, huge, three days journey in breadth. That's like breadeth. So I'm assuming like you would have to take enough bread for three days. Um, But basically, it's a three day journey. But Jonah only went one day's in. Hmm. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. See, sometimes we have to slow down and just read things carefully to really absorb them. I mean, did you catch that? Just a day's journey. He didn't go very far. He didn't even go in the middle, (laughs) where it may actually reach the other part of Nineveh, too. You would think that he would go into the city like Paul and go here, there, and there, and there. (laughs) You know, saying the same message to several times over. That it was a very short message, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, I have a hard time believing that that was God's message because God said they were evil wicked city, their evil was upon them, and yet this was a very short statement that Jonah had made, as a matter of fact if you look it up it's actually only five words in its original language Jonah said five words, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. No mention of God. No mention of their sin. Hmm. Has Jonah really changed? Or is Jonah still hanging on to some anger? You know, my pastor always says at our church... partial obedience is still disobedience and it just popped up in my mind when I read that he went one day in he said five words no mention of God, no mention of their sin just that it could be overthrown how do we know that it wasn't another king coming to overthrow him how do we know partial obedience is still disobedience and then it says and the people of Nineveh believed God they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them okay well the people in Nineveh believed and they worshiped they repented it looks like repented hearts here how is that possible how could a whole city believe based on just five words of Jonah the prophet with bitterness in his heart who is God really trying to reach here is he trying to reach Nineveh or is he trying to reach Jonah or maybe both because I find this quite the miracle "...called for a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes." Which we definitely, that is a pattern for that particular people group, for mourning and repentance and sorrowness. So it's very evident. To, for a king to remove his robe and to allow himself to have such a kind of brokenness and really humbleness as he sat in ashes and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh quote by the degree of the king and his nobles let neither man nor beast herd nor flock taste anything let them not interesting that all of that happened just from a five word proclamation that only went one day's journey in do you think God prepared the king do you think his Holy Spirit was already tormenting the king do you ever maybe he had a dream maybe it only required those few words know when God's in control he's in complete control but I bet Jonah didn't expect that Hmm. he even called for the animals the animals are not allowed to be fed or drink water either it says and beasts be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God (laughs) Wow even the animals you know the king was making sure that God knew how he felt. He did not want to be destroyed. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Wow, what a great ending to chapter 3. They repented, even the cattle, even the beast. And when God saw once again what the pagans did, he relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Now, I don't know about you, But see, that right there just makes me want to dig into the commentary again. And the reason it makes me want to dig into the commentary is because I'm thinking five words. It almost makes me want to go back to chapter one and see, is that what God said to say? I don't know about you, but I think I will. And after doing so, I will meet you In our part of the journey. Welcome back to our part of the journey. So, after reading chapter 3, we see that Jonah did decide to go to Nineveh, but we saw a couple things that appeared that made us wonder, did Jonah really repent from his evil way of thinking? Did he really decide that Nineveh had the right to be saved or have mercy shown upon them by God? Or did he just do the bare minimal? You know, do you remember when you were a child, how Your parent would say, now I said sit down, and you just kind of grit your teeth and you sit down, but you didn't sit down in your heart. You might have sit down physically, but in your heart and your mind, you're still being rebellious by the anger that's inside of you. So, you know, the question is, is is that where Jonah was? And I kind of have a feeling that we see part of that because He, it says it was a three-day journey through Nineveh or to Nineveh. So, you know, some people say, was it a three-day journey, you know, uh, to get there? And he only went one day's in and he said it from abroad, like they eventually got the message. And some people believe that it was actually a three-day journey from one side of Nineveh to the other so he actually had reached Nineveh but he went into Nineveh proclaiming the words that he proclaimed but he only went one day's journey and he did not take it into the second day or the third day all the way across Nineveh for everyone to know thank goodness that the word of the Lord got to the king because once the king made the degree that everyone would repent and they would not eat and they would have sackcloths and ashes on them, then then you're obeying the word of the king. So, you know, the question is: is, was Jonah's heart right or still wrong? Well, I think we're going to find out a lot more in chapter four of Jonah. But like I said, we want to do a little wrap-up here And I I want to read something to you that I think you're going to find very interesting as we read it. Um, And then you may understand a little bit of why God may be very upset at Jonah for this very purpose. And maybe we can relate to it as well. But in the beginning of the introduction of Jonah, if you have a Bible that gives you some background information about why the book was written and certain Um, things that happened, and why uh, they believe it was established, and why it is in the Word of God for our learning. And the very front page, I hope you have those kind of Bibles that are a study Bible that have that information, because it's so important to relate back. And on the introduction page of Jonah, (laughs) I found it interesting where it says, Purpose, Occasion, and Background. And then it continues to say this. The primary purpose of the book of Jonah is to engage readers in theological reflection on the compassionate character of God and in self-reflection on the degree to which their own character reflects this compassion to the end that they become vehicles of his compassion in the world that God has made and so deeply cares about. So we do see, in the actual introduction page of Jonah, that God wants to know, do you have that same compassionate character that he has, which kind of relates back to what I had originally said about a people group, be it homosexuality or whatever that people group may be, prison ministries, do you still have that love and mercy and grace, compassionate character that God has? And we could see that, you know, Jonah didn't. So why would God be upset with him? Well, we can see here where it says, Jonah prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam Jeroboam II, who ruled in Israel, the northern kingdom, from 782 to 753 BC. Jeroboam was the grandson of Jehoahaz, who ruled in Israel from eight fourteen to nine or seven ninety-eight BC, because of the sins of Jehoiab Jehoahaz, Israel was oppressed by the Arameans, means. I'm sorry if I get some of these names a little wrong. I'm doing my best, and I've studied some, but some I'm not sure of. But you know, I used to tell the children when I taught them, when you come across names like that, it's okay. If you can't pronounce them exactly right, just know that it's a person. Have that person's kind of image in your mind, and then just read what it's talking about when it comes to that person. It's not always so important to know how to exactly pronounce, pronounce the name as it is to know who they are and why God is mentioning them and why it's important to know about their history. So try to remember that as you say these names. So I'm going to say it says because of the sins of Jehoahaz, Israel was oppressed by the Arameans, 2 Kings thirteen three. But because of the Lord's great compassion, we see in Second Kings 13, 4 through 24 and 23, Israel was spared destruction and delivered from this oppression. This deliverance came through a savior, which was Second Kings 13, 5, who may have been adad Nira, eri king of Israel. Assyria. Now I hope I got that name right. But he was the king of Assyria. Oh my goodness. So you mean there was a whole bunch of sin going on during the reign of Jeroboam the second? Hmm. And he was the grandson of Jehoahaz. So we see a lineage here going back to Jonah, and who they were, and what kind of sin they had, their city. Jeroboam's father, Jehosha, capitalized on this freedom from the Ar- 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 Aramean oppression, and began to expand Israel's boundaries, recapturing towns taken during the reign of Jehoahaz. Though Jeroboam did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, he nevertheless expanded Israel even further than his father did, matching the boundaries in the days of David and Solomon. 2 Kings 4.25 This was according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah. Son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hephar. Thus, Jonah witnessed firsthand the restorative compassion of God expanded or extended to his wayward people. Wow. <laughs> See, this is why I say, please go back and read commentary. Like I said, I may not have got every one of those names right, but I did my best. And, but do you see? Do you see how they were connected to this one and this one was connected to this one? And then it even went back into Second Kings where Jonah was the prophet that prophesied. And not only did he prophesy during that time, but it says here Thus, Jonah witnessed firsthand the restorative compassion of God's extended to his wayward people, that God extended to his people. So now can we see why God may be just a little bit upset at Jonah's behavior and Jonah's upright attitude toward Nineveh? What about Jonah's people? What about that city? I'm sure Jonah was praising God that he had mercy and compassion upon them and their sin. But yet Jonah did not want to extend that toward Nineveh. So again, I come back to, what about you? What about me? Do we extend the same mercy and compassion people around us that we know are lost in sin that do not know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ do we have enough love for them and compassion for them that we would be sure that we would give them the news that we would deliver the news to them first the good news of Jesus Christ but not only the good news but sometimes you do have to tell them the bad news for them to understand that it's important they have good news that they are sinners but they can be saved by the grace of God but they have to recognize that they're sinners first now when it comes to a people group prison ministries of people that maybe have murdered raped hurt people stolen from people cost other people their lives, or homosexuality, which would be a perversion of a man and a woman being together for the purpose of why God made them to be together. But it's sin. Their sin is no different than our sin. It still had to be paid for by the precious blood of our Savior. It still cost Christ his life. We're on an equal playing field when it comes to the foot of the cross. There is no hierarchy. There is no group of people that carries a sin with them that, well, that sin's not as bad as their sin. No. All of our sins cost Christ his life, cost him what he had to experience, what he had to go through for that payment. And we need to be looking at those people the same way that God looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. You should be looking at anybody around you that does not know Christ as their personal Savior with a sense of urgency and a sense of mercy and love. That way they can feel Christ's love through you. Then maybe they could believe and understand and the Holy Spirit can lead them to the understanding that they are a sinner and that that sin is destroying their lives and that Christ can change them. He can change them back to what they originally should have been in the garden, just like me, slowly but surely. But He can do it through His Holy Spirit. We cannot do it ourselves. We aren't capable. Jonah wasn't capable. Jonah's people wasn't capable Ninevites, they were not capable until they understand that they could be judged by God. But God was reaching out to them and trying to show them their sin and their wickedness. But he was also trying to teach Jonah. What about you, Jonah? Did you forget the mercy and the love that I showed you? That's kind of sad. going to finish up today, but you may even get so excited about the Word of God that you would go before me and read chapter 4 to see has Jonah changed? Has he learned his lesson? Did he see this great big city and everybody in it, including the animals, repent and turn from their wicked ways? And did Jonah rejoice with the angels in heaven? Or was he still angry? It's interesting to find out. So, we're going to finish up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that helps teach it to us. We thank you for this example of Jonah. For you, I know, are trying to teach us many things. One, that there is people out there that no matter how far they go from you or how bad their sin is, they are still reachable through your Holy Spirit and through your blood. They can be pardoned. They can be saved. Father God, we thank you also for the example of Jonah as a reminder that we should never run from you and your instruction, and we should certainly never consider ourselves higher than others. We are sinners saved by grace and by grace alone through faith. We thank you for that. We thank you that you loved us. We thank you that you showed mercy upon us and that your compassion extended to us in such a way that your Holy Spirit would decide to dwell inside of us and amongst us. I thank you for it. I pray that you would use your word and that you would Help me at all times speak what you would have me to speak, nothing of myself but only of you and your word and what you want people to know. Thank you, Lord, for loving us before we ever loved you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I will see you next Tuesday in Chapter 4 to see Has Jonah Learned His Lesson? I pray that we are learning ours along the side of him. And we'll see you next week on My Story, His Story, Our Journey.